0: I want to greet all of those of you who are watching online whether it's through facebook Vimo uh or um, even our goal ag.online.church so appreciate you still staying connected and we believe that we have an encouraging word for you an informative word for you from the story of jesus through the magi and I want to share that with you the the passage that i want to share with you this morning here on the magi and uh king herod is probably one of the most historically loaded passages in the gospel of matthew of just crossing of so much that that is said about it outside of the bible and i used to always hear people talk and preach and say you know herod did this and so and so did that but they never would tell me where i could find it and i could never find it on my own and so we really believe in growing in in the knowledge of the word of god and so we provide that for you and that's available to you um, I believe they could even show that link up there but you got that text this morning you just click on that But I want to warn you that it's not really going to fully follow the flow of my notes It's something for you to look at after the fact for those of you that are historical uh, Geeks how many of you are out there with me? You just find yourself Gravitating to the history channel right and even the movies that you watch is this based on a true story? And even if it isn't you want to make it sound like it is because you love history so much but um, it's amazing that I hear people even to this day in in liberal circles saying the Bible's just a made up story and so on and so forth. And being as not only a pastor, but also a historian, I, c- I could go back to so many sources outside of the Bible that talk about things and say, oh, wow, this, this totally happened. This made sense this. And and yet. When we go to the I can't go to history, but I can go to the Word of God and hear of an eternal King who came into this world and suffered for a moment so that we could be with Him for an eternity and we have the privilege to worship Him, to offer Him our life, to offer Him to, to, to trust the hands that were pierced for us, because if someone's willing to suffer for you, they're willing to do whatever it takes to protect you, your life, if you put it in the hands of Jesus, you can trust Him. And uh, so this morning, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 2. It's going to be a little bit of a lengthy red passage. And if I could say what I'm going to do here this morning just ahead of time, spoiler alert, but I, I really believe in looking at Word of God from three perspectives. And it goes like this. What should I see? What should I see from the original world that, and the original people who would have read this? What would they have seen? What should I see that they saw? And so we're going to take a look at that. What, what was it to them? What should i see and then i believe we need to move into well what's that to me so okay great that's cool that happened what does that mean to me and and it brings it to the point of the third point which i call how should i be in other words as the apostle paul wrote in the new testament knowing these things how we ought to behave how ought we to behave what what do I need to do to participate into this truth and this, this wonderful thing called the kingdom of God and this Savior named Jesus to experience that in my own life? And that's the journey that we're taking here. But let me begin by reading Matthew chapter 2. And you can follow along with me if you want. I'll be reading the ESV. If you have a different version, it's okay. The words might change, but they're both close enough to what the original language says. It's good. The visit of the wise men. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men came from the east, saying uh, to Jerusalem, saying, "Where is he who is born King of the Jews? For we saw his star, and it ro- uh, when it rose, and we have come to worship him." When Herod heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And the assembling, he is, and assembling all the chief priests and the scribes and the people, he inquired. Of when uh, of them where the Christ was to be born they told him in Bethlehem of Judea for so it is written by the prophet and you O Bethlehem in the land of Judea are by no means least among the rulers of Judah for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared and sent them to Bethlehem saying go and search diligently for the child and when you have found him bring me word that I too may come and worship him after listening to the king they went on their way and behold the star that had uh, been seen went and it rose before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was when they saw the star they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy and going to the house they saw the child with mary his mother and fell down and worshiped him then opening their treasures they offered him gifts gold and frankincense and myrrh being warned in a dream not to return to herod they departed to their own country by another way Now, when they had departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and the mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and he took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet out of Egypt, I have called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years or under, according to the time that he had ascertained for the wise, uh, from the wise men. Then this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah weeping and lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children, she refused to be comforted because they are no more. This is God's Word. Let's jump into it in prayer first. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray that your Word would be living and active in here. And we would see, and we would we'd apply it to us, and we would live out powerful truth that your Word has here in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So... This is a loaded, let me just start by just giving you some background stuff because this is so loaded. This is like history upon layer of history upon layer of history. We're familiar with this, this story, and in fact, if you've been in this church for any period of time, you know usually this time of year we have a manger and we've got sheep and goats and llamas and we're gonna add chickens next year, I think, just because, I just thought we gotta add chickens, you know. And so we we march them in, and it's just such a nostalgic time. And because of COVID and and just all of the restrictions and everybody kind of grabbed animals, we just said, you know what, we're going to keep it simple this year. So today we're sharing about Christmas with this message. Next week will be our Christmas service. Normally on Christmas Eve we do a candlelight service, but this year what we're doing is turning next Sunday morning, 9 and 11 a.m., into our candlelight service and it's enchanting kids get get these glasses that make every light look like the star of bethlehem and a couple of you adults steal a few here or there and that's okay we'll let you and uh, it's just really cool so that's a good thing for the holidays but but because of things we can't really do it but we're very familiar with the christmas story but the story behind the story is just mind-blowing first of all if ever you watch the church traditions You usually hear there's three, maybe four, wise men. But other traditions, like in the East, they would say there were 12. Maybe that's based off the disciples. The truth of the matter is the Bible doesn't give us a number. We just know that they're there. And then uh, you've probably sung this Christmas song. Sing it with me if you understand it. Help me out because I'm just going to do it, but it goes we three kings of orient are right so now we've made them kings that was actually a song made in 1857 by a musician for a new york christmas pageant and so that's when the tradition came that all of a sudden now they're kings there's there's three maybe four of them some people say 12 the truth is is we don't know how many they are but they weren't king they were what they call magi or and that's based off of the greek word magos Now here's what's interesting and I'm just going to take the wise men we always see them as the heroes coming in with their gifts But when we're done here and especially talking about the star, it's going to just be a mind blower Take take this word now and flip it from wise men. So take your take your mathematician who's a savant and and genius and and put him through MIT and then take your your educated individual your philosopher your historian your nuclear physicist put them through harvard you know gather them all together and that's what you get with wise men. so they were highly educated but they weren't kings but not only that but they weren't worshiping the god of israel in fact they are really the word really means more like a sorcerer an enchanter and in fact back in in year, before the New Testament times of Jesus, around, around 300 years before the time of Jesus' death and resurrection, the, the, the Bible uh, was written in Hebrew, and so the Jewish people said, hey, we need to help people understand the Bible, put it in their language. So they, they created a Greek translation. It's called the Septuagint. And all through the Septuagint, you see this New Testament word, because Bible in the Old Testament is Hebrew, New Testament is in Greek, but the Jews wrote a Greek version of this so we can compare it. And that word that's used there is used in several places that is kind of disturbing to me, but I got to deal with it. First of all, it's used of Pharaoh's magicians that were coming up against Moses. It's used of the magicians that that were giving Daniel a hard time, magi, so what we know about them is, is they're incredibly influential, they're incredibly wealthy, they're incredibly popular, they're incredibly powerful, they're not necessarily royalty. We don't know how many they are, but they definitely seem not to be followers of the God of Israel. They said that they came from the east. So you're t- and, and in fact, you can look here and through history, there's a whole bunch of, of images of them. This is the oldest image in Rome, Of them and notice there's three and the first one is dark black the second one's red and the third one's white so they were multinational and there's Mary with the baby and the oldest church in the world had a picture on the wall and they were dressed as if they were from Mesopotamia far far away well why does that matter well it talks about how they saw his star from the east And so they traveled a long way you're talking 900 miles six weeks of travel how many of you would like a vacation that long (laughs) Christmas break is no longer like two days it is officially now two months we're gonna take it and it's great I mean what a great downtime that's what a sabbatical is supposed to be but these guys are traveling from far away they're not followers but they show up in the reign of King Herod and they say We are searching to look for the one born king of the Jews because we saw his star. We saw a star. Now here I want to give you just a little bit more history, and then we're going to change gears into what's it to me, how should I be, and all that. And it's going to have application and opportunity for us to worship God. But King Herod, there's a historian in the time of Jesus who writes extensively about the history of Rome, and Israel. There are other historians, dio Cassius and Suetonius, and I could go on and on of people. And I would always hear people in education now. I'd always hear people talk about this, and and they quote stuff. But no one would ever tell me where I could find it. And so that's really the purpose of this note uh, package: is for you to take a look at it for yourself at your own time to show that we're not just shooting for the hip, or that the Bible's this you know crazy made up story, but it lines up with history, because. Herod was the king of the Jews and Caesar was the king of the whole world he was the emperor what's crazy about uh, Herod is is that jo- this historian Josephus he's not a christian he's a jew but there was one time he talks about this this holy man this this godly man that uh, had a gift of, of prophecy, and he saw Herod one day when he was going to school, and as he was trotting to school, he stopped and he hailed him king of the Jews. He said, for one day you shall be king of the Jews. So who thinks they're king of the Jews when you hear that phrase? Herod. Not only that, but Herod was very close with Mark Anthony. How many of you know the story of Mark Anthony and Cleopatra? Right. Mama, she was one pretty woman and she used that to her advantage because she manipulated every single man. She manipulated Julius Caesar. She manipulated Julius's right-hand man, Mark Anthony. She tried to manipulate Herod because she wanted his territory and he's like, I'm smarter than that. Leave me be. Herod was an incredibly smart guy, so smart that he worked both ends of the world. He was representative of Rome and Judea as a general, but as a uh, kind of a governor, not like a combination of he could enforce the army but wasn't really in charge of it. But he was governing things for them, but at the same time he married into a Jewish family and said, Hey, uh... If this side wins, I'm in power. And if this side wins, I'm in power. So when you look at Herod and you look at him and think of him as a fool, he was probably one of the slyest guys in the face of the earth back in those days. He's responsible for making two of the great seven wonders of the world, the port of Caesarea and the temple in Jerusalem in the ancient world. He was responsible for the two man-made Wonders this guy was beyond belief genius. He was smart. He was sly, but he was absolutely a slaughterer Because he killed when he found out that the Jews were not going to be in charge and Rome was going to be he made his power Play he killed his father-in-law. He killed his mother-in-law. He killed his wife Um, And then in fact on top of that not only did he do that, but he killed his two sons who were would have plotted to take the throne from him and later on he killed another son Who was who would have plotted to take the throne from him sound familiar? Why he why it would be so easy for him to just simply kill every child two years and under it lines up perfectly with history Not only that but he was so hated by the Jewish people that when he was dying he knew that nobody would mourn his death, and so he gathered together about a thousand of the most respected, beloved people in the nation of Israel. Put them into a theater, into a hippodrome, which is like this horse chariot race thing, Ben Hur kind of thing. And he gave instructions that when I die, nobody's going to cry for me. So I want you to put to death all one thousand of these people, so that the nation will be mourning when I die. He sound like a creep to you? sounds like a serial killer the guy is crazy he's genius and he lives up to the story well what about the star stars are always used to announce the coming of kings in the ancient world it was the way that they viewed the world and julius caesar was killed by the senate and and his adopted son which pastor dylan showed us so much of how adopted sons had the full right of the inheritance and we have that inheritance when he talked about I think it was Matthew 8 or uh sorry Romans 8 here but he had a coin now it's one thing to be in charge of the army that'll help you it's another thing to be Emperor that'll help you but if you claim that your father is a god that removes all opposition And so at that time, Halley's Comet is going through the world, and you see he's put a star on this coin, and there's a little flamey tail on there. That's Halley's Comet. And Augustus gets genius, and he says, let me secure myself a little more. He goes, look. He goes, it's the soul of Julius Caesar ascending into heaven, becoming a god. And that began emperor worship. And it meant that the Caesar, when he died, he would become a god, but the Caesar sitting on the throne, listen to this word, this phrase, when he was sitting on the throne, the living Caesar was called the Son of God, which meant that every time you said Jesus was Lord and Son of God, you indirectly were saying, and you, Caesar, are not, just punishable by death. Well, okay, that's in the Roman tradition, but what about the Jews? The, Jew, the Jews would put on their own coin the same star image And really, to understand that, believe it or not, if you were Jewish and you had the first five books of the Old Testament memorized like every 12-year-old did, you would instantly know what I'm talking about. It's a verse that comes out of the story of Balaam in Numbers. You see, Israel has just gotten out of slavery. They're just about to enter the Promised Land, and no sooner does it happen that a guy by the name of Balaam Is called up by a local king and he says I need you to get here right now you are a powerful listen to the word magi A powerful magi I've got a army here and I need you to curse these people and I need you to curse their God and I need you to bring failure into their camp and destroy them and so he says well how much and they offer him a, a mountain of gold. And so we if you read the story, I'm not gonna get into it now. There's a back and forth and it looks like is he a good prophet gone bad? Is he a bad prophet gone good? He's neither, he's totally just a pagan person that believes that there isn't a God of Israel and God just uses him. He doesn't use God and he uses the people to get money. They offer him all this money, he shows up, he sets up everything perfect you ever notice religious people know how to set everything up purpose perfect he says oh seven is the number of this god so he sets up seven altars he he gives seven sacrifices he even gives seven prophecies and as he is about to curse israel he can't he says i can't curse them i have to bless them now imagine you hire somebody to fix your house and they destroy it i mean someone's like i know what that's like He hires him to curse these people, and he can't. And one of the prophecies that comes out of his mouth might as well go into the book of Isaiah. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel. This is the star we're talking about. This is the star that was prophesied, that became the the, the icon the logo, the branding of the Jewish people, this is why there is the star on the flag of Israel, the, of, of, of David, the star of David, the star of the God's people comes back to this. Now here's the irony of this. These magi, and there's a, a verse from Eusebius, the historian, where he says these magi being the descendants, not family descendants, but of the tradition of that magi sorcerer were from where Balaam was from and seeing the star responded to it six centuries later, later think of this: six centuries later this guy prophesies that a star would rise he goes to bless he goes to curse Israel but he blesses them he gets paid and these magi for six centuries are looking They're not even Christians, they're not even Jews, but they believed that this prophecy would happen and they see the star and they're not asking for money, they're bringing gifts. And they're not not being called to travel and treated like royalty, they show up looking for royalty. And they're not there to be worshiped because of their popularity and their fame for what they're known for, they show up to bow down and worship the king of the Jews. The connection on that is just crazy. And here's the, here's the sad part to this. Herod should have known, right? Herod should have known because he's supposed to be the king of the Jews. He's Jewish. He's right in Israel. He's right in Jerusalem. He's six miles away from where this is all to take place. And then these wise men show up six centuries later believing a prophecy, looking for that symbol and that sign, and they respond to it. And I want to just give you an application here for just a second. If you want to to see the king and you want to see God's kingdom, sometimes it will demand that you need to be willing to leave what is comfortable and familiar and travel to what is unfamiliar and uncomfortable. If you want to see the king you need to be willing to leave the comfort of and the familiar and the control of what you have and be willing to travel and take the risk of the unknown if you're going to see the king so many people will see the signs and hear the words and know that and think of this six centuries these guys 600 years they they just heard about this and they sat on it and they passed it from one generation to the next but these men don't just sit on it they sit and they could have sit their life was comfortable their careers were great their 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 fame was known their popularity was powerful their income was stable but instead they said no heaven is bringing something to earth a king is being born and this is too important we're taking 6 weeks we're taking our best we're taking that and they go and they walk and they travel and they do that and sometimes god will come in to your life and disrupt your plan i don't know since covid right that you'd ask people this would always be the question you would ask in a career setting a coaching setting whatever where where do you see yourself in five years from now and most of us are kind of like without a mask with my family celebrating christmas right yeah you can clap on that one. Just... <laughs> oh, my goodness the five-year plan is up in smoke, right? Like, like, how do you just, like, as if we have control over all of those things. It's wonderful to know that there's a God in heaven who has come here to earth that is king and that is in charge. And if we trust him with our life and we follow and we know and we're attentive to his leading and his prodding and his support. And I'll tell you what, if you have family around you that love you and God Is speaking nine times out of ten there's a rare exception if everyone that loves you and is invested in your life is saying no and you're saying yes you need to question that because those that know you best love you most now there are rare exceptions and there are times where God will say you know go against the grain of that but you want that support it needs to make sense if everybody's saying no and you're saying yeah that's that's that might not be God but these guys they were looking for it and they were saying yes for hundreds of years But we sometimes handle our life as if we're fully in control of it we're in control of choices no doubt about it but i want god as king i want to see him and when i need to see him sometimes i need to be willing to travel a little bit i need to be willing to leave what's familiar i need to inconvenience myself in order to see him and he's so worth it herod though he couldn't even see what was six miles away in bethlehem What's ironic is that that Bethlehem prophecy is about from Micah chapter five, verse two, and it was just six miles down the road. I mean, this is the place where Boaz met Ezra, or I'm sorry, where Boaz uh, met um, Ruth, sorry, Ezra. (laughs) Ruth and Boaz meet here. David's born here. Jesus is born here. This is a fulfillment of prophecy yet again. But Herod couldn't tell you about it. He had to go to the, to the team. Hey, where's, where's the Messiah going to be born? He didn't care about the Messiah. He was killing people to keep his power. And listen, I'll tell you what. I don't want to make comparisons between us and Herod because there just isn't. That's... That's there is evil in the world. That's serial killer, and that's uh, uh, would be a magnification and a manipulation for me to start drawing, you know, between your kingdom and your choices and that kind of stuff. But, but like you've got to know God for yourself. And, and if you're so obsessed and focused on your world that there's no room for God in it, you're going to miss the, 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 the very person who made you and the very purpose that he made you for. And in this church, we believe God has established us here to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference wherever and however that is. And wherever that that career is wherever that life is and it, just you go out and you make a difference you you say God what what have you made me what, what am I and what am I not and just you offer that up to God continually and saying Lord you're my king I'm your subject how can I serve what can I do and and you you offer yourself to him but Herod couldn't even see it he couldn't even see it and and out of Bethlehem it says you shall come forth one who is to be ruler of Israel and, it, and he's going to be born there. And what's funny is, is, years later, they started, the Jewish people started writing it, your anointed, your Messiah will come out of that place. But King Herod was totally missing it all. But the wise men, they totally were. The, he, King Herod was so hated. In fact, it was really a privilege to be able to go to, guess where he was buried? Bethlehem. He had himself buried in Bethlehem. And Ehud Netzer is the archaeologist. I never got the privilege of meeting him, but I went to the site where he was digging. He had passed away right before getting there. And he's the expert in the world on Herod. I had an opportunity to study also under a couple of other people who are the historical experts on Herod, and which is why I probably know way too much than anyone should about Herod. But, but he was so hated that they went in and they smashed his coffin, just hated. It's no wonder he had to kill a 1,000 people for somebody to be crying when he died. He missed it here's the thing friends our life is a dash and maybe you're watching online right now and you're working your little kingdom and you're willing to compromise virtues values and character and you're even willing to to ruin other people's lives in order to preserve your wonderful little kingdom and the irony of that is is that your life is a dash and if it is not in subjection to the king jesus christ it is destined for destruction and you need to give your life to him and let me tell you what he's not afraid of murderers and he's not afraid of arsonists and he's not afraid of any there's no sin that he can't that he can't forgive he died he he suffered for a dash so that he could he could help us be with him for all eternity. And sometimes we miss the point of eternity. That's something that just doesn't register with us. Eternity is forever and forever and forever. One person described it as a bird flying from the moon to the earth and taking one grain of sand at a time and just dropping it there. And then once all of the oceans of the world have been carried one grain at a time there, eternity will have just begun. And we look at our life as this little dash and we think that it's this big, broad thing you don't have forever. Your life is a dash, a speck of dust across eternity. And when it describes Jesus as a a king versus Herod as a king, Herod is a king who couldn't even get anyone to weep for him, whose tomb was destroyed, who did anything he could to preserve it, and it was still a dash. But the Bible says about Jesus that his kingdom will have No end it goes on forever and ever and ever and the reason why he sent his son Jesus to 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 pardon us from sin and to restore us to him was that he would make right what humanity has made wrong on this earth And this is the beauty of it This is a king who is willing to suffer for you and me who who when when he says he will wipe away every tear Every hurt will be removed your your no, There'll be no more sickness no more disease No more death all of its thrown into the lake of fire for all eternity for those that worship this king for those that kneel before this king For those that offer their time their treasure and their talent to this king that he is able to do that But the one thing he chose to do it says in the book of Revelation is he will never remove his scars Why because while man takes from you to build their kingdom this king came and suffered from you so that he could show you for all eternity I know what it is to hurt. I know what it is to be disappointed. I know what it is to be rejected I know what it is to be betrayed But I know what I did it for I did it for you because you were my treasure and my kingdom is about you and Jesus died for you He suffered for you and he was in order for that to happen. He had to be born And he did it for you He did it for me What does worship look like? Nowhere. You know, it's funny. I, I can go to Israel, and, and a group of us is gonna, are going to be going there once the COVID restrictions are lifted, hopefully in October and for many years to come. But what does worship look like? The Magi, these are guys who aren't even in the, the church vein, and they got it down better than some of us do. They say, we've come to worship him. They went to Herod, they didn't say, we're looking for the star so that we could see the king drop off some gifts like like, uh, Amazon and say peace. No, they said, we are in pursuit of him because we wanna worship him. Because this guy Balaam prophesied and he had it all wrong and he took treasure away from the kingdom and he went to curse them, but he couldn't. He said that there would be a king that would be born and that a star would rise. We found that star, we followed it. Here we are. Where is he? We want to worship him. And they rejoiced with great joy. It's sometimes, you know, like we all have bad weeks, you know, we have bad months, but what happens when you have a bad year? That every time you show up at church, you just kind of like mm-mm, mm-mm. all right, that's over with. It's not going to church. That's not even what church it's rejoicing with great joy when you have if you don't understand eternity If you don't understand what Jesus did for us and suffering for us, how can you have great joy? You're just looking for him to bring joy into your circumstances? He came so that he could remove all death, disease, destruction, despair, disappointment away for all eternity. Whatever your suffering is for this dash, this tiny little blip will not compare to the glory that he has for us. That's something to rejoice about. I always remind myself, like, I was a very, very horrible person back in the day, and I'm not a perfect person now, but whenever I have one of those bad days, and and I'm just like, oh, this is bad, I just say, it could be worse. I could be burning in hell for all eternity. This is a good day. Totally. Game on. Let's get back into the game, you know? Look at what they do. They open their treasures. They gave them gifts. That prophet Balaam was saying, what's in it for me? How much is it for me what's coming to me no worship that's why we call our giving a time of worship that that young girl that was restored to that family that was the answer of prayer and we, and we praise that, and we worship God for that, because you made a difference. I believe that our prayers made that difference. We, we emphatically said that this will not end in death, it would not end in destruction, but to the glory of God, that that child would be returned to her family, and she was returned to her family. And why, why gifts? Like, why giving or whatever? You know, why is the church always asking for money? You know why? Because those five ministries that I mentioned at opening, freeinternational.org, Run for Freedom, these missionaries, uh, uh, Amira House, um, all of them are all a part of what we do to give to make a difference around the world, to help people to know God, find freedom, make a difference. That we change the world through our giving. That's worship because that's the kingdom. That's the king. But here's what they did. And I'm just going to ask if we're going to close here. And I'm going to do what they did. And I want you to see it. You know what's amazing? I could take you to Israel. People worship all kinds of stuff. This is in the church of the nativity. A little spot. They say, this is it. This is where he was born. Well, they probably got the right uh, house right. You know, and, and... I th- I'm all for building buildings and preserving history, and you know, but I've watched people come up, come up to that spot, weep tears and kiss it. <laughs> I just put that together and said, "Wow, COVID, that's really not good." And I've watched people, you know, like, oh, worship the spot. No, he's not there, and he's not in the cross, and he's not in the grave. He's at the right hand of God, but His Holy Spirit is here with us. Jesus said this, those who worship me, worship me in spirit and in truth. And it says about the wise men, he said, we want to worship him. We had it wrong. And we've been waiting six centuries. We're not, we're not going to get it wrong this time. We're going to get it right. We're not asking for treasure. We're here to give it to him. And they didn't have a bad day on that journey because they were constantly in joy seeking him out. They had no idea what kind of man Herod was. Sometimes we think people share the same perspective we do, and they're just not there, but man, they found it. They found that place. They were smart enough. God warned them, don't go back to Herod. Good thing they didn't because and and it's a good thing they gave those gifts because that's what probably sustained Mary and Joseph for the years that they were in Egypt. God will provide for your needs. Those of you that have lost jobs, those of you that have lost homes, those of you that have just lost in all kinds of directions. Can I tell you, if you're a child of God and you love him, you may not have all your wants taken care of, but God will take care of your needs. He will. That was the one time the king of kings was in need of something, and these men in worship gave. And it says that they came before him, they presented their gifts, and they bowed down before him. There's just something about kneeling when you pray. That's what people would do before kings, but that's not what they did. The Bible says that they did this. You're worthy. Great king. Six centuries we had this wrong. Please forgive us. You will be a great king. Oh, they had no idea. They might have been thinking that he would have been another dash. Another name in a lineage. He was the lineage. He is the king his kingdom has no end In this Christmas season maybe most of your life you might have gotten it wrong maybe you're here, you're online maybe most of your life you've just been so consumed with your kingdom and so consumed with your little dash and so consumed with your stuff and your things you've missed the point that Jesus was sent here for that there's a world that's suffering that's hurting And this world is not the point, and his kingdom is not about this world. When he stood before Pilate, Pilate said, don't you care that I have the power of life and death over you? He said, you'd have no power over me unless it was given from above. I could call legions of angels. You could have wiped Rome off the face of the earth, but that's not what it was about. He was willing to suffer so that others could be blessed. Now my life, I can't save the world. But I can do things that might cost me, but it can make a difference if I allow it to be done through the hands of God. And that he's going to one day wipe away all my tears. He's going to wipe out all my death. And he's going to wipe away all of my discouragement and disease and death. And this kingdom will have no end. You see, there is no dash between Alpha and Omega. There is no dash the king. Things may not go your way. Listen, don't lose track and perspective of the fact that our little dash is going to be set right in eternity. Don't lose sight of eternity. When I was uh, years back, my son, Andrew, and sorry, I didn't ask permission to share this story, but it's a good one. I shared about Ethan running around with Jesus in his mouth in the manger when he was a little kid in the first one. So, but when I was a, a little uh, years back, uh, Andrew must have been about four or five. And he just asked me, he goes, Dad, what does adore mean? What does it mean, adore? And I said, it's like you love, admire, and appreciate something so much that you just forget about you and you just make it all about that person that you just adore. And he just looks at me He goes, Daddy, he goes you. And so that was our little phrase for years, until he turned into a teenager, and then it's not cool. It's like, southern. so. But but I think God looks down from heaven at your life, no matter how near or far you are from him, he says, I adore you. I suffered for you. I was born into this world to suffer so that you could be brought and born into my kingdom so that your suffering and your pain and your hurt and your disease would why did they die of cancer? Why did they die of COVID? Why Why did we lose everything? This point, this world is not the point, it's just a dash. Get the bigger picture this season. Don't get it wrong like Balaam, get it right like the Magi. Don't get it wrong like Herod, put your eyes on the real kingdom of Jesus. And we're gonna close off service here by singing, come let us adore him. And as we sing this, my hope is, is that you'll take attention off of. He's not looking over your shoulder at those wrong things you've done that you're hiding he he knows all about them he actually wants to pour out his love and grace on you to cover and remove them and I'd ask you to pray this prayer with me if you've never invited Christ to be Lord of your life before we sing this song to just simply pray this prayer dear Jesus be my king forgive me of my sin Help me not to look wrong at this life. Help me not to blame you for not taking away what's wrong in it. But help me to see that you're an eternal king.
1: That
0: you died for me to forgive my sins. So that I would live with you for eternity without sin anymore. Suffering or disease. Pain and disappointment. You have my heart, you're my king, in Jesus' name. You prayed that prayer, I really believe with all of my heart. You belong to him and you belong to us. And so we encourage you as you get the courage and you feel comfortable, when it's the right time to come back when you're comfortable. We're gonna see a turn here in COVID. Those of you that are here, thank you for your masks. Thank you for those that sanitize in between services. We're gonna continue to keep it safe. But we thank you for joining us online. Like, look, share, subscribe. Get the word out there further and faster. Let's adore Jesus as we sing this song. Come let us adore him. We just lift our hands and just glorify Him and adore Him in our own way. Jesus, say His name. Come on, praise Him. We glorify You, Lord. We praise You. We adore You. We worship You. And Lord, may our life be an ongoing life song to You this week, this month, and this year. And uh, we just praise You. Help us to keep the perspective. This holiday season, we are but a dash but you are king forever. And if we belong to you, that we have inherited that kingdom with you. Lord, we just pray that you would help us to make the most and the best of all that we have and bless the world around us. As you go, I just want to remind you the whole reason we believe as a church, our philosophy is this, and if you know it, say it with me. Find a need, meet it. Find a hurt, heal it. Find the joy of serving, because if you find the joy of serving, served again. God bless you. Thank you for joining us in these transitional times. May you have a wonderful week. We'll join you next week as we have our candlelight service. It's going to be enchanted. That's the word of the week. Enchanted. Use it ten times this week. God bless you. Thanks for joining us.
1: And hail Lord we greet